The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the weekend gambling-centric, a little bit more on that side, I guess, edition of Fantasy NBA Today. I wanted to get into some playoff breakdowns today after a stuffed plate Monday through Thursday of this week. We're going over lessons learned from a season gone by. Yesterday's lesson, as you guys might recall, on... Gotta take a deep breath first. Really get into this one. Get the diaphragm in there. Ruthlessness. That'll continue on Monday. We dive in a bit deeper on the numbers of what that all means. But today, it's playoff preview time because, unfortunately, I can't wait to find out who wins, Memphis or Golden State. That was, I meant that in every way you could have possibly interpreted it. I can't wait to find out, but I also cannot wait to find out because we're not doing a show tomorrow, Saturday tomorrow. So this is our show that's going to have to run through it. So we don't have every series. We're missing the one. It's going to be Utah, one of those two teams. And uh, maybe I'll... Try to throw something up on Twitter. I am Dan Baspris. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Sticking with us here during the off-season when we do our heavy lifting. And this is sort of a brief foray into some playoff chatter on this lovely Friday weekend edition of the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Baspris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from HoopBall. HoopBall, of course, our benevolent overlords, the benefactors behind Fantasy NBA today. Hoop-ball.com, the website, at HoopBallFantasy is the Twitter feed for those good folks over there. This is as good a time as any before we dive into some of this uh, series preview stuff to remind you guys that one of our lead sponsors, if not our main lead big powerhouse, is MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag. If you do not have an account over there yet and you're somewhere... I don't know exactly the countries that they service. I know North America's in there. I think they may even have New Zealand. I don't, however, think it's Australia. I don't know. I don't know. You'll have to check it out. See if they've got your country on their list. If they do, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bestworth, so I can get you set up over there, because we got prizes. we got a truckload of them here, because the offseason has hit. From the fantasy offseason, I guess. Coupon code there is HoopBall. Just the one word. Easy. Easy peasy. Uh, but again, don't even worry about that side. I want you to hit me up before you do anything. MyBookie.ag, promo code HOOPBALL. And let's get you situated with our official online sportsbook partner where we can all go win some money together. Wanted to quickly recap one thing before we... Two things, actually, before we dive into our playoff analysis. Thing number one was the result from last night. Washington smoked the Pacers, and that was kind of what we thought would happen. Talked a little bit on the pod. I thought it might go under, because I thought this game would slow down a little bit, and it didn't. It was actually very fast, and the Wizards shot 58%. Yeah, they went buck wild in this one. They, and this is a game that was going to go over regardless, just because of tempo, although I guess that's not entirely true. Total was at 240. Pacers were, uh, they underperformed their number by about six. I think they should have been around 120, 121 based on pace of play. But the Wizards, on the other hand, uh, they were supposed to be at 121. So the total was actually almost spot on. The expected total was 242 in this game. 
but Washington went over their mark by about 21 points, so that'll generally jettison that. And then, again, I, I really did feel like the Pacers picked on a Hornets team that was badly overmatched. And then the Wizards, they got a Celtics team that they actually played relatively well against but just couldn't stop Jason Tatum. And so then they got this pastry opponent and beat him up. Daniel Gafford, big ball game there. He might be uh, he might be a guy that actually gets a little bit overdrafted depending on when we think Thomas Bryant might reappear for the Wizards down the line. But Gafford's played well. So that was what happened last night. The other thing I wanted to recap is that at the beginning of the year, we put out a list, myself and the great Aaron Bruski, on uh, season win totals projections, and I picked all 30 teams. I also had some top plays mixed in there. But uh, my season win total projections on all 30 teams went 21-9. and nine. They are... I, I love them, man. That, that, to me, they might be the easiest things to do. We've done it three times. Actually, did it four times, but the COVID season, COVID-shortened season last year didn't end, which is a damn shame because the Thunder and the Raptors overs last year were two of the easiest bets I've ever made in my life, and they, everything turned into a push. This year, 21-9. and nine. Two years ago, 19-11. and 11. Three years ago, 18-12. and 12. Uh, I might have flipped those last two. It was 19 and 11 and 18 and 12, but now I've confused in my head which order they went in. So we've done this exercise four times. One of them didn't count. And the other three times went 60%, over 60%, and then this last one was 70. 70%. That's a pretty good hit rate on season win totals. We'll do it again next year. We'll do it again next year. We'll give out our top ones. Kings was my only three-unit play. That was an over that hit this year. So that was fun. Uh, maybe there'll be some time in the offseason we can kind of dig into the analysis and find out where we went right and wrong because then there's the, the whole process results thing. You're probably not going to go 21-9 and nine just out of dumb luck, but there's going to be some luck mixed in there, particularly on the ones that are close to the number, the coin flip ones. How many of those went in our favor? How many of them went the other way? You figure those even out over you know, 20, 30 years, but on a one-year sample size, that's stuff that you want to dig into. Let's talk a little bit about the playoff series happening. We'll start in the Eastern Conference. We'll move our way west. Not for any other reason than that's the way it's listed on the website. I'm looking at the numbers. Boston Celtics, Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are a minus 1,600 favorite to win the series. And there is absolutely no reason to get in on any of this stuff. I, I think the only thing you might do, and I don't have the I don't have the cajones to, to dive into it, the cajones, is throw something on Boston here before the series starts, hope the Celtics catch kind of a rusty Nets team and maybe win game one before Brooklyn wins four in a row. Because I think this is a four or five game series, probably five at the absolute longest. Celtics without Jalen Brown, Robert Williams isn't healthy. They they simply don't have the firepower, and they're going to get steamrolled. And if you think it's going to be five games, you think there's any chance it's going to be five games, you can get in on Boston now, and you could probably set up a middle opportunity. Because if the Celtics go up 1-0, the odds are going to shift dramatically to the point where it's still not going to be low enough to get a value on the Nets, but it would be low enough if you were also riding that Celtics card. So that's the only thing you're doing with a series price. As games go, that series opens up on Saturday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. So that's uh, the not the late game, that's the primetime game. Not surprisingly, because the Lakers don't play on Saturday. They'll be in the primetime game, Western Conference one. Um, Brooklyn's favored by eight in the opener, total of 228 and a half. And again, that's the one 
if there's ever going to be a game in this series where Boston could come in and maybe snake one, that would be it. So I would look at Boston catching eight. They're going to get steamrolled, probably. I really don't know what to do with the total in first games of a series. That's when both sides just throw their fastball pre-adjustment. You want to see what the teams are trying to do against each other. So I, gen- I generally get into totals after the first game. But I do think that if you're going to get a giant number on an underdog, game one is the time to explore it. Series number two out of the Eastern Conference. The We still don't know the, who the Sixers are playing. So it's the uh, Heat and Bucks. We'll go the 3-6 matchup next. Bucks minus 280. Up ever so slightly from an opening number of about 270. Heat, same deal, up from 220 to plus 230 as the underdog. The Heat won this series last year, and they won it pretty decisively. So the question you have to ask yourself, ask yourself going into this year is, have the Bucks made the proper adjustment? The other question you have to ask yourself is, are the Heat as good? this year as they were in the bubble where Jimmy Butler was so laser focused and got his guys so laser focused that some of these teams that were kind of well and I mean this with with the as much respect as I possibly can teams that just didn't really want to be there and I I get the feeling the Bucks were kind of one of them I don't want to go into a ton of detail on why but like we saw through actions through reporting which teams did and didn't really want to be in the bubble. The Bucks didn't really want to be in the bubble. The Clippers didn't really want to be in the bubble. Who did? I don't know if anybody really did, but some more than others. The Heat, they were excited to be there. Lakers just wanted to win a championship, so they sort of forced themselves into caring a ton, and they knew they had a good shot at it. Nuggets, they were excited to be there. I didn't get the feel that Toronto was all that excited to be in the bubble. Never quite got that sensation from them. But they were fine. So, the, to me, the Bucks and the Clippers were the two teams where you look back at last year, like, these two teams didn't really want to be there. They didn't really want to be in the bubble. So, you, you have to handicap. I think, forget X's and O's a little bit, because we know what the Heat are going to do. They did it last year. And the Raptors have shown themselves to be the most proficient at paint packing against Milwaukee. Can the Heat pull it off again this season? They have the right personnel to do it because they didn't. Things didn't change that much for them. Losing Jay Crowder is that. That's a difference maker. They replaced him with Trevor Reza, kind of cut of a similar cloth in terms of the three and D, some toughness, that type of deal. Bam's still there. Jimmy's still there. The key cogs are still there. For the Bucks, their big thing was getting a little deeper. Got some more star power at the point guard spot. Drew Holiday, a big upgrade over Eric Bledsoe. By the way, did you guys see that ridiculous scout talking about how Drew Holiday isn't that much better than Eric Bledsoe? <laughs> Anonymous scout. Yeah, okay. All right, buddy. Anonymous scout should consider... What, what, maybe it was an anonymous baseball scout. And they were just like, what do you know about Drew Holiday and Eric Bledsoe? He's like, I don't know. One's better than the other. Not an anonymous basketball scout. That scout deserves to be fired. Maybe that's why he didn't want to put his name on it. Anywho, so the Bucs did get better at the point guard spot. That's not really an arguable point. They also got, in my estimation, a little bit deeper. They added guys like 
Uh, in particular, Bobby Portis, who's actually he's played a good role this year. They have P.J. Tucker, who's going to do his thing, certainly more useful at the defensive side, but he'll camp out in the corner and kind of do that, whatever you want to call that on offense. Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you, that kind of thing. That's where I'm at with this series. I, I, I do think there's some value with the Heat at plus 230. My hope, I think, was to get them at a better number. Plus 230 is not that high of a number for a team that, when you look at what this regular season looked like, the Bucks were a lot better than Miami during the regular season. Not just on overall record, because they had them by six games during the regular season. That's not that big of a deal. But the Heat went through these long stretches where they didn't play very well, and then they'd, they'd rattle off a few wins, but it seemed like they mostly were able to get their wins against the teams they were supposed to beat. And they were a couple games over 500 against the Western Conference. They were a couple games over 500 against the Eastern Conference. It all just sort of rolled into this weird bucket of, yeah, I mean, I guess they were okay. But Vegas has it right, and that's that's unfortunate here because these teams are a little bit more evenly matched than some of the superficial numbers might indicate. I do think the Bucks beat them this time around. There's there's a lot of revenge. There's a lot on the line. If Milwaukee doesn't come prepared for this series after having an entire calendar year to plan on it, then they should be... That may be the most embarrassing result that I could possibly imagine in these playoffs is for the Bucks to not have any solution still to what Miami wanted to do. And Miami did the same thing to the Lakers, which was try to keep LeBron out of the paint, do everything to keep LeBron out of the paint, and the Lakers were fine. And admittedly, Miami was missing a couple of guys for stretches of that series, but I mean, it was gonna be it was gonna be a rundown anyway. But Jimmy Butler was playing like 46 minutes a game in that series. So Find a way. And it doesn't just have to be Giannis needs to be able to shoot the three because there are other ways to do it. So if the Bucs don't figure that out, shame on me for being fooled twice. But I do think Milwaukee wins this series. I think they're coming out a little bit tight because of some of that revenge stuff. But I do think ultimately they get loose and they win this thing. So I would look, once again, as we talk about the first game of a series on Saturday... Bucks favored by four and a half with a total of 227. Don't like the total for the opener here, but I do... If, I mean, if you were going to go either direction, you probably look at the under. The problem is I, I wouldn't. I would avoid the total altogether. On the side, this again comes down to the decision of do we think that the, the Bucks are ready? Do we think that they're, they can overcome some of the jitters of the expectation side that they need to win this series? They've got the same damn opponent... We know what Miami's going to do, so it comes down to whether or not you think the Bucks have a counter for it now. I think they do. I would lean to the favorite in this one, where I lean to the underdog in the first one we talked about. Series 3 in the Eastern Conference, the Hawks and the Knicks. This one's basically a pick em in Vegas. Both teams opened up at minus 110. The VIG, a little bit of money on the Hawks' side, but very little. Uh, Knicks swept the Hawks during the regular season. Hawks got better a lot as the season went on. Knicks, ex extraordinary defensive team. The best ATS record in the league at 45-26-1. and 
I have an explanation for that last one. That team, New York, played harder than anybody else in the NBA for 72 games this year. Sure, you can go through their schedule and you can find games where they half-assed it a little bit, but there are far fewer of those for the New York Knicks than there were for almost any other team. You need evidence of that? Look at minutes played this year. Sort your player list by minutes played. Julius Randle, number one by a full minute over James Harden. It's not like they played a ton of overtime games. That's not where he racked up the the numbers there. R.J. Barrett was, uh, I think he was 15th or 16th in the league in minutes played at 35. Julius Randle, almost 38 minutes per game this year. Tom Thibodeau is not afraid to play his main guys as many minutes as their bodies can handle. There was no bones about trying to get his guys rest. What about the other side of this one? What about the Hawks? What, where, where did they sit in that setup? Who played the most minutes on the team? Obviously, it's Trey Young at 33.7. Clint Capella, 30. Bogdan, 30. John Collins, 29. You want to tell me that if the game is on the line, Trey Young's not playing 39 minutes or more? There's a difference there in how teams managed the regular season. The Knicks played the regular season like it was 72 playoff games. And you get those teams every once in a while. And it's not, nothing is 100%. But when the rest of the league starts to try as hard as you are every night, your advantage goes away. The Knicks were 25-11 and 11 at home. There were 16-20 and 20 on the road. They were not a good road team when they caught teams that were playing a little bit harder. Teams play a little bit harder at home. Hawks were actually they had the same issue on the road, although a lot of their stuff was because they had a, a brutally awful road trip. I think that was like right when their win streak ran out. Can't quite make the same explanation on the Hawks side. So these teams are evenly matched, 25-11 and 11 at home, 16-20 and 20 on the road. They both won seven of the last 10 games. They finished at 41-31. and 31. The Knicks own the tiebreaker. I mean, this is your prototypical 4-5 or five matchup. But the thing that I, I believe, the thing that changes how, how I handicap this game is that, that Tom Thibodeau factor. It's that Tom Thibodeau factor where you knew what you were getting from New York every night. They're an easy team to handicap because they never slowed down. And the Knicks did a nice job. They beat up Atlanta on April 21st. Like, these teams met not that long ago, and the Knicks won it at Madison Square Garden. It wasn't a a giant letdown game for Atlanta or anything. April 21st, I think they'd... It wasn't a great travel game. They They had played in Orlando the night before. Uh... But, I mean, this is like what this is what you're looking at. It was a weird game. Uh, Went to overtime. Knicks won at 137-127. I'm trying to remember. Was this the game where Trey Young hurt his leg? That might have been the game where he turned his ankle. Am I remembering that right? Do, 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 do. Was that the game? Let's let's pull up the Trey Young game log and make sure that I'm getting these this data right. 
Uh, we'll do it live on air. It's great, great theater. I'm, I know you guys can stick with me here on the Trey Young thing. Was that on that? Was that that game with New York where he turned his ankle and then came back a week and a half later? Uh, sure was, sure was. Okay, this is. Oh yeah, that's perfect, man. That's perfect because what I was about to say was that I don't think the Knicks played the Hawks the sort of late-season iteration of the Hawks, where Bogdan Bogdanovich was a big part of the puzzle to fill in those gaps around Trey Young. And then the one time that they did, the Hawks were winning that game by nine, remember, when Trey went down with his ankle tweak. I think that was early in the fourth quarter or late in the third quarter. It was somewhere near that, that gap. And the Knicks made up about a double-digit deficit and then won it in overtime. So Trey went down and the whole thing came apart. Well, Trey's healthy. And this Hawks team is different than the one that the Knicks saw two times earlier in the year. And, and I will stress this again, the Knicks are going to play their superstars a lot of minutes. And now in the playoffs, the Hawks are going to play their stars a lot of minutes. I would not be surprised to see Trey Young average 38, 39 minutes a game in this series instead of 34 in the regular season. I think you see Capella at 33 or 34 instead of 30. Collins probably at 33 instead of 30. Bogdan probably at 34 or 35 instead of 30. Those five minutes that I'm talking about that a lot of teams give their starters on the bench that the Knicks didn't give their superstar on the bench, that swings games. That's why everybody spent so much time in the bubble yelling at Coach Bud for Milwaukee last year because he's playing Giannis like 34 minutes a game in the playoffs. He needs to be out there 40 minutes a night. He better be out there 40 minutes a night in this series against the Heat. So, what do I think? I like Atlanta in this series odds, and I think you're getting decent odds here with the Hawks going on the road into New York. If you think the Knicks take the opener at home, which I'm actually not convinced they do, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure. I... I then you could wait if you wanted to, if you, if you really thought the Knicks were going to take the opener. These two teams haven't played in a while. Knicks have great defense, so it might be sort of a uh, knock-em-down, drag-it-out kind of ball game. Uh, but I, I don't think I'd get cute. I just I like the Hawks in the series. I'm not super worried about the home court thing, even though both these teams were better at home than the road. I think it's going to be a pretty long series, but I do think the Hawks have the talent edge, and now that they'll have the game or the minutes played, that edge will be partially made up great these two teams start their series on monday nick's a one point favorite at home i'm probably not touching that one because i really do think that that could be a weird one total of 215 uh i'll leave that individual game line alone and the last one out of the eastern conference um sorry i don't know something earlier like we didn't know who the sixers were playing they're playing the wizards and that one is sixers minus 920 about nine, minus 900, give or take. The uh, Wizards at plus 660. I will kindly pass on that one. Wizards are, they're going to be saddled with the Russell Westbrook playoff stuff. And, uh, and the fact they've played a couple of games, maybe that's a good thing for them. So if you're looking at game one, which is on Sunday, the uh, and it's a day game, Philly's favored by seven. I might look at Washington catching seven points in that opener, but I'm not touching the series price. I don't think we need to go to too much detail. And over on the Western Conference side, where do we want to begin on this stuff? What do we want to, what do, we want to do here? Well, we don't know the 1-8 the matchup. We do know 2-7, and it's the rare instance where the 7 seed 
is a series money line favorite over the two seed. Lakers minus 160, plus, Suns plus 135. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I do think the Lakers probably win this series. They're a pretty rough matchup for Phoenix when healthy, but I still don't think the Lakers are healthy. Everything I've watched about the recent Lakers play tells me that LeBron is kind of willing himself through and AD's willing himself through. And I know they beat the Suns, whatever it was, a couple weeks ago at this point. I've lost track of time. Um, but Phoenix has Chris Paul, who gets a bad rap as a playoff choke artist, but he, he was fantastic last year. And it's probably a bit more fair to describe some of his teams in that context than him alone. Um, I'm a Lakers guy. I'm a Laker fan, so some of this feels a little weird. Phoenix won the season series, beat them on March 2nd and March 21st. Lakers came back to win that last one uh, in L.A. I think the first one was in L.A. also by 13. It was just a big Anthony Davis game. I, people aren't giving Phoenix enough credit. That's a simple answer to this one. The fact that you're getting a two seed at plus 135 is probably enough. It's probably enough to grab the Suns and see where it goes. Although I, I, it's a weird thing to say when I also think the Lakers are probably going to win the series. You're just never going to get a good value on the Lakers to win a series unless they're down one or two games in said series. Game one is on Sunday. Lakers are a two-and-a-half-point underdog in this opener in Phoenix. By the way, you're getting more fans into these arenas here lately as well. So that's something to throw into the back of your mind on the handicap. Total of 212 and a half. It's probably going to be a slow one. I would consider the under. I'm probably not touching the side. It's most likely going to be a hard-fought, close ball game. If you remember the bubble last year, though, the Lakers' worst games of almost every series were the openers. So I'm leaving the side alone. If anything, you might even look at Phoenix, see if they can just sort of swing a haymaker here early while Lakers figure out what the Suns are doing and then make their adjustments. L.A. showed themselves to be very competent at making adjustments during playoff series in a way that really their opponents weren't as much last year in the bubble. So I like the Lakers for the series when all is said and done. I think I like Phoenix in the opener here. So if you're thinking about betting the Lakers on the series, you probably let this first game go if you're also on board with my Phoenix takes game one theory and roll from there. The um, three, six matchup in the West is the Blazers and the Nuggets. And this is another one where the lower seed is a favorite trailblazers minus minus one thirty five, nuggets plus one fifteen. I also agree with, I think the, uh, the lower seed wins this series because this is not that the nuggets are a paper tiger. That that's, that'd be a, wholly inaccurate thing to say about a Denver team that's just sort of found a way. Most nights, the way was Nikola Jokic and a lot of him, but with no Jamal Murray, and we don't know what Monte Morris's situation is. He'll play, but we don't know how much. With no Jamal Murray and uh, no P.J. Dozier and no Will Barton, and, it, I mean, you just work your way down the list. So it's Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. kind of against the world a little bit. Defensively, the Nuggets will be better than the Blazers, but the Blazers just have so much damn firepower at this point. And they're a team that, aside from running into a Lakers-shaped buzzsaw in the bubble last year, remember everybody was like, the Blazers are going to beat the Lakers. And I said, eh, not so fast here. Like, Portland's playing well, but 
There are teams that they're going to run into that just understand how to defend them. Denver doesn't have Anthony Davis to defend Portland on Dame pick and rolls. They just, they don't. They don't have the right, Denver doesn't have the right pieces to deal with that. What are they going to do out there? I mean, Portland can put Jokic in every one of those dang things if they want. Nicola's an amazing basketball player, but he's not guarding with those little guys out on the perimeter. Makes me think the Tings are generally going to get what they want in this series. I would actually look a little bit at the over in game one. Uh, Denver's favored by a point. This is the Saturday evening game, and it probably will be a close one. I, uh, whoo, this one's probably, this, this series is going six or seven games, I would think. So I'll probably leave that first game side alone. I think, well, Dame and CJ were shooting the ball so well at the end of the season, too. What does this layoff do to them? Uh, yeah, I got no feeling on the side. I'm like, I'm trying to force something out there, but I just don't have it. Blazers for the series at minus 135 seems pretty reasonable to me. I'll go that direction with that one. The 4-5 matchup out west, the last one we're covering on today's episode. Mavericks and Clippers. Clippers at minus 410. Mavericks at plus 315. Uh, last season, I said the Clippers were just going to wipe the floor with Dallas, and the Mavs actually got a couple of ball games. Clippers got to prove something to me now. They're favored by five. In their series opener on Saturday, total of 218.5. And And I think, you know, everybody on the Clippers is saying the right things right now. That they're in a better headspace. I think, uh, who had the quote? Was it Marcus Morris who had the quote that everybody wants to be there? Which, again, threw right into laser focus the issues that the Clippers were having last season. Where some of the guys just didn't really want to be in the bubble. Which is funny, too. And, like, I get it. I've, I've had jobs where I've had to be away from my family for a long time. It sucks. I've never been away from my family in a pandemic. I'm guessing that's very nerve-wracking. But they did have a bubble where diseases couldn't get out or in. So that was that was pretty good. Uh, but there was a lot going on in the world at that point. So, you know, you can't fault players, teams, whatever, for not being fully into it. And we could see, quite clearly, the Clippers were one of those teams. So... Show me, prove to me that it's different this time. Because from a talent standpoint, the Clippers should annihilate the Mavericks. If Kawhi is locked in, if Paul George is locked in, the Clippers should obliterate Dallas. They should have the pieces to slow down Luka Doncic. No one's going to stop him, but you can take a couple things away. Kristaps uh, Porzingis is a very good basketball player, and he's going to have the edge at a big man spot. It's it's as good as Zubats has been this year, and Clippers Twitter is maybe a hair too excited about what Zubats can do. He's not close to on the level with KP, but we don't know what Porzingis' health is going to be like. And you don't play back-to-back games in the playoffs, so presumably he can go every night, but he got hurt in the last playoffs. He just gets hurt. And so that's why, as much as I'd love to look at this and say, massive value on the Dallas side, they could very easily end up as a one-star team. And Luka can't do it himself. I don't know how this series opened at, like, minus 300 for the Clippers. That's That was way too juicy. Mavericks beat the Clippers in one of those games. It was, like, the, the world's biggest letdown contest for L.A. And then I think they split a, a back-to-back pair later on in the season. But that didn't tell the story. The Clippers are the better team here. 
the odds are now much closer to where they should have been. At, at minus 300, I think I probably would have told you to take the Clippers for a series price. At minus 430, I'm probably leaving that series price alone. I do think the Clippers have a better run this postseason. They are uh, they're the team I've actually picked to win the championship. I, I think this season that they're they're locked in. I think they made the they made these changes, and now it's going to be up to all the guys to to kind of see it through. And I don't think that they run into a team other than maybe the Lakers in the Western Conference at least that's going to fight them the way that Denver did last year. You could say, well, what about Denver? Well, Denver's not quite the same team this season. So the Suns, they're a really good team. They'd fight the Clippers the whole way through. But again, that's an edge to L.A. The Lakers are the team that could fight them all the way through and actually, and actually prevail just because of more the emotional side than anything else. But I think the Clippers are going to come ready this time. I have faith in them. I'm going to feel like an idiot because I'm putting my faith in both the Clippers and the Bucks, these two teams that just keep flaming out. But I think they're ready this year. I think they're ready. They're going to have some fans in their home arenas. All the pressure is on, and they know it. They know that this is their chance to change the narrative. Clippers choke artist narrative. Bucks choke artist narrative. This is the chance. If they don't do it now, if not now, when? If not now, when? You can't just keep running it back and having the same results. And the Clippers already did the coaching swap arena. As far as game one goes, the Clippers being favored by five, total of 218. Um, yeah, I think I would... I'm going to leave that one alone. I don't have anything to do with that ball game. Lean to the Clippers to cover that number. So there's your NBA playoff breakdown. Again, we didn't have a chance to do Jazz Warriors or Jazz Grizz, whatever that one's going to turn out to be, but it's probably going to be... If it's Jazz Grizz, you're probably going to see the Jazz as a pretty good favorite. If it's Jazz Warriors, you'll probably see them as a much smaller favorite. Anyway, I think people forgot how good Utah is when they're playing hard, but uh, Donovan Mitchell's health is going to be hanging over that series a little bit. And uh, and yeah, and I, did we talk about Grizz and Warriors in their in their one gamer? I got a lot going on in my brain these days. Warriors are favored by four and a half, total of 221. Uh, I do think the Warriors win that game, but I think it's tight. I would take, in any game, any winner-take-all type game like that one, I would look at an underdog catching more than two possessions. And that one's about two, shade over two possessions. Total of 221. I don't think anybody's getting out and running. Not, not in a game where possessions are that important. So that's what I'm looking at there. I like the Warriors. I like the under for the game tonight. And as far as, here's our quick little series recap thing goes. Brooklyn, Boston, maybe you go Boston at plus 800. And if they win one, then you middle off of it. Uh, as far as game one goes, this is our, our quick recap here to round things out. Same kind of deal. I think I would look at Boston in the opener of that series. Hawks and Knicks, I like the Hawks for the series. I've got no play on uh, game one of that series. Maybe the under. I think the Hawks are actually a tiny bit underrated for whatever reason. That feels weird to say, but Knicks are the Knicks. They're a big, big name team. I'm going to actually go with the Bucks this time around. I'm not taking the series price because on a team that still needs to prove itself, minus 280 is just a hair too much. I would actually prefer to take the Bucks in, oh, of course, they got that day game in that first one. Probably look at the under in, uh, in, in game one. More than likely, I'll wait that one out. 
and hope. I think I kind of hope Miami wins the first game, and then I'll take the Bucks at a, at a cheaper price. That's the way I would potentially hop in on that one. Clippers became a bit too expensive at minus 430, but they're almost definitely winning that series unless somebody gets hurt. So even at that higher price, it's not completely out of the range, but pretty much out of the range, generally leaving that game situation alone. Uh, Blazers Nuggets, I like the Blazers at a, at a relatively cheap price. Money has actually been coming in on the Portland side. They seem to be the, the more public team here. Nikola Jokic, in my estimation, can only do so much by himself, but they'll win a few games in that series. Not much feel for um, the actual results of Game 1. And then Lakers-Suns, I like the Lakers to win the series. Minus 160 actually isn't that terrible of a price to get with L.A., but I do think they potentially lose the first game. So if you like the Lakers, I think you could maybe even wait this one out. And that'll get you going for your playoff series this weekend. Back on Monday, we will break down the rest of our ruthlessness. Ooh, so ruthless. Discussion. We'll get into the numbers a little bit more on that one and what it actually means. When should we actually be ruthless? Because it's easy to just say the word, and it's easy to be very qualitative and anecdotal about it. But we're going to get into the numbers and find out when you actually want to make your moves. Enjoy the play-in out west. Enjoy the start of the actual playoffs. They are upon us, ladies and gentlemen. I am Dan Bespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Thanks for listening through our off-season. One week of off-season. Fantasy off-season is in the books. Week two, just a couple days away. So long, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.